This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. Hello, world. Welcome to the Mile High Five podcast. I'm Carl Jensen with my co-host. I'm Doug Cunnington. Doug, today we are going to talk about money struggles. So what I did a couple months ago is I pinged our Facebook group, we'll put that in the show notes, and asked folks what their struggles are with money. So today we're going to cover some of those, including the demise of Mint, which everyone is talking about. We're going to talk about the struggle to get to five faster, holiday spending, and guilt over both big and little purchases. So let's get right into it. The first one is from Roger. Do you remember meeting Roger? He was at a campfire. Yeah, yeah. I was I was just thinking, is that the Roger we know? It is the Roger. Oh, we right. actually met up with him in Denver a, a couple of weeks ago too. So he, he's a cool guy. So Roger is brokenhearted about the closure of Mint. He said it's like taking a pacifier away from a baby. So, so Roger is really in a rough place about this. Did you use Mint, Doug? No. I did not. I I signed up way back in the day, maybe when they were first getting some traction. And then after, a, I don't know, a few months, I was like, I don't really care. I, I don't really remember if there was a precipitating event that made me not want to use Mint anymore. But at some point I was like, ah, I don't really care about this. It's too complicated or it's too easy or I, I don't remember. Okay. So Mint yeah. was not your yeah. pacifier. How about you? Yeah, I used it when it first came out, but then I kind of lost track of it. I, I think I switched over to Personal Capital, which is now known as Empower. For some reason, I like that one a little bit better. I think it was more investment-focused, where Mint might have had your bills or something like that. So, no, I haven't used Mint in like 10 years either. Okay. Yes. Same deal, I guess. If both of us would have used it, maybe they would have still been around. <laughs> We're sorry, Roger. Let's talk about some alternatives to Mint. This is super timely because Chris Hutchins on the All the Hacks podcast had an interview with Brad Barrett, and they talked about this very thing, and they have some alternatives to Mint that people could try. Some of these are free, some of them you have to pay money for, and some of them are better at things than others. So the first one is Empower, which I just mentioned a moment ago. Do you use that one, Doug? No. No, and I'll let you know what we use once you run through them. But yeah, I haven't actually used any of these um, alternatives at, at all. I haven't even looked at them. Okay. I have not either. So you're going to have to take our word for it or Chris's word for it. Uh, the next one is Kubera, which is supposed to be good for net worth tracking. After that, we have Copilot, which is good for spending. Another one is called Projection Lab, and I don't know what that one's good for because we don't have any notes. I'm, I'm sure it's really, really great for something, but what that is, I don't know. And then there's the Mad Scientist Fire Laboratory, which uh, looks pretty cool. Brandon's been on the show. We'll put a link to that in the show notes, but I have not used this one either. So, Doug, what do you use? I do know one thing about uh, Projection Lab. I'm pretty sure it's someone like from the Phi community that created a tool and they like sort of filled a little gap in the market. So I've heard a couple interviews. It sounds cool and worth checking out if it's the one I'm thinking of. I think there's a, a free version and I think there's a paid version too. So that's the only thing that I know about any of these listed here. Okay. We, we just use spreadsheets. So 
when we started tracking our net worth and getting serious about saving and allocating our money to specific um, buckets and such, we just put it in a spreadsheet and then it's just lived in Google Docs. So we actually have like over, uh, right, right about a decade of history, which is really cool to like track the net worth um, just within the sheet that we have. Super cool. Do you find that Google Sheets does everything you need you need it to do? And I ask this question because I mentioned it once on the blog because I too keep my stuff in Google Sheets as a backup. And someone said, "Oh, you can't use that. You have to use Excel. Like Google Sheets is inferior." But I don't know. I never gotten into Excel beforehand, so maybe I don't know what I'm missing. How oh yeah, you? so Bill Gates was trolling you over there or something. Yeah, else. I don't think, to my knowledge, uh, there's no limitation, and they just. On Google, they just recreate whatever formula you need. It's the syntax is a little different, I think, occasionally. But yeah, to my knowledge, there's not anything, nothing that I need to do. There's no no okay. issue with sheets. Yeah, so you you just use spreadsheets as well. I do. I like having the sheets. I'm a little bit leery of Empower. They've already changed their name. They're once you sign up for that, they call you and harass you to sign up for their investment service. I'm not a fan of that, so I can, I don't know if they'll go the way of Mint, but I like having my own backup. It's kind of neat to do all the formulas in a spreadsheet. I enjoy it. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of like the, the text document of um, keeping track of your budget or net worth or whatever. Like you can export it into a CSV and then go anywhere with it. Yep. So you won't, it's kind of future proof, basically, I think. So do you know, Roger, perhaps, or other people that you know that use the apps, do you know what specific problem they're solving? What value are they getting from the apps that we don't get in our spreadsheets? I think it was more of like for our spreadsheets, I keep in for Empower. I like it because it keeps track of our net worth. I think these people were doing it more to keep track of their budgets and spending. So maybe the opposite side of where we're coming from. Okay. That makes sense. That's my impression too, especially, you know, you mentioned that, you know, Mint didn't have the way you wanted to see the net worth for your specific portfolio. So it did a better job on the front end on the budget side. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you know, have you heard any word on the street where most people are going to from Mint? I do not have a clue. Okay. One one thing that I noticed, because I listened to that podcast with uh, Brad, Chris as well, it sounds like a lot of a lot of people just use spreadsheets. Maybe for you know we we don't have to worry about the apps going out of business because their business model didn't work or whatever. So, do you find that too? Like a lot of people in our circles just use spreadsheets. Yes. Okay. My impression is we just like to have control and we want to see it our way, and it's just easy enough for us to put in the data, we can pull the data pretty easily and it's not that big of a deal. I don't find it as a big issue to have to go log into a couple of, of accounts every now and then, right? Yeah. One final thing I want to mention around this topic is if you are into spreadsheets and you want to keep track of your spending, in Google you can create a form and every time you make a purchase, pop up the form, you can even stick it on your phone or wherever and then you can enter your purchase, it'll automatically uh, log it to a sheet and then you can create pivot tables to see where all your spending is going, it's a little bit more laborious because it creates you to do something actively and it causes you to remember it versus Mint just checking your credit card statement. 
But I find the exercise of it can be beneficial too, because at least me, I felt guilty about typing something stupid I've purchased into the app after I've done it. One other note here is when you use a free option, when you use a free tool, then they're getting your data, they're getting some value from you. And I would encourage you to either, you know, just have your own spreadsheet and like avoid that whole situation like Carl and I, or pay for an app where they have like some data privacy things in place. Hopefully you, you're, you're never quite sure. Right. But I would encourage people to not go for free options here. Yeah. That's a great point, Doug. And also with all these accounts, an unrelated thing, have two-factor authentication enabled on everything. One thing that I, that's always made me leery about stuff like Mint or Empower is I know they're very secure, but still you're, they've got all your financial information. And, and who knows, a lot of stuff that has got hacked is stuff people thought would never get hacked. So have two-factor authentication on all of your accounts, especially email, like the super important ones. All right. Next, we have a point here from Flynn. So we're going to talk about the trade-off between finding another job or career that could be more fulfilling and pay less or for Flynn to keep his current job and career that is not fulfilling but pays well and accelerates the time to FI. So th this is a great, great question. Carl, what's your first Im impressions from this? Uh, my initial thought is it's all a spectrum. Like if his job is paying just a ton more, like some obnoxious amount of money, like two or three X what he would get normally, maybe it's worth sticking it out there because you're going to really push things forward. But I don't think that's probably not the situation for most. And I don't think it should be the default answer either, even if you are making that much more money. My first thought is around the negative aspect of the current unfulfilling job. So if it's really horrible, then obviously you'll probably be much happier if you find something else to do. That said, I found myself when I had a job in this sort of in-between period, I don't know, uh, purgatory, right? I think that's the right word. So it wasn't quite bad enough where I was like, I have to quit this. This is absolutely horrible, but it wasn't good enough where I was like, this is fantastic. I'm fulfilled. It just wasn't good or bad enough for me to take any action or make a decision. That's a horrible place to be because it's complacent and you end up like kind of wasting time. So I still think it would be hard for me now, future Doug, to go back to myself like 15 years ago and say, hey, quit quit your job, do some other shit. You'll be much better off. Like you can start something else now and you'll be that much further ahead instead of like goofing around for another like seven years or so. Would have been really valuable. I think I would encourage Flynn to go explore something else. E even if he's making a lot more money now, if it's unfulfilling, there's a good chance he could find something else that's better. There's also a good chance he could figure out how to earn more on the in the job that is more fulfilling because he enjoys it. It won't feel as much like work or purgatory. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Ed, people lose sight of the whole purpose of FI. Like the whole thing is to make you happier and to improve your life. 
So if you're denying yourself that because you make a little bit more money, you're missing the whole entire point. Uh, quit that job and find something else. The worst case, you could probably go back to what you don't like. And I, I know this about Flynn. He took time off. He was living in a van, like traveling, and he went back to this high-paying job. So I'm sure he could go back to it again if the need arise. arise. Yeah, absolutely. And by making a big decision, he'll he'll learn something and there's a good chance he'll be in a in a better spot and start making progress towards, you know, being uh more content with his job than if he waits. Cause chances are like you're not going to be able to mold that uh less ideal job into what you need it to be. Very difficult to do whenever there there's like organizational inertia or for your role or or whatever, or your relationships with the people you're working with too. Like once that stuff is established, it's really hard to like break away from it. So, yep. so find a new job. I think that's our advice, right? Yes. Let us know how it turns out. <laughs> All right. We have one from Joseph here. Yeah. Okay. So Joseph talks about focusing on paying off student loans, especially through the holidays when friends ask us to go on vacations with them. So I think he's saying he feels guilty because his friends are asking him to go on the vacation. And if he does this, he'd have to put off. Uh, paying money on the student loan. What, what do you think about this, Doug? What's your first impression? Yeah, it's a tough one because the vacations would be fun. And, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, making decisions that should probably make you happy. Spending time with friends. It seems pretty positive, especially family and friends, right? So the obvious, well, I, I'm, I'll just answer. I think if you could find a way to like do a little of both, that would be great. If, if you could figure out, like going back to the spectrum idea, how maybe to participate on the vacation, but not, um, not in the same financial way, that would be amazing. Or you may just have to bow out this time. I think paying off debt is a really good thing to do with your money when you're looking at the opportunity cost. There certainly could be other factors in there, but I would lean towards like delaying gratification in this specific example. I'd be interested to know how much the interest rate is on this debt. Is it some crazy ass variable rate because interest rates have gone up or is it more modest? Like how much is this going to kill him over the long term to punt this debt? I don't think they're usually variable, but what do I know? It's been a long time since I've had to deal with debt, but I'm going to pose one other idea to him. Uh, we both know Mark Troutman. He's been on the podcast, and he has this concept of a fun bucket. He's told you about that, right, Doug? Yes. So I think maybe part of Joseph's issue is he's waiting to the end, and then all of a sudden he has to give up paying loans to be able to f afford this vacation. What if he put away maybe like 150 bucks a month and put it into this fun bucket thing, like start January 1st of this year? So by the time December rolls around, he's got a lot of money. And I should back up a second and state that the whole point of this fun bucket is you can't put it towards a loan or a remodel or a new furnace. You have to use it on something fun for yourself. I think it might create a psychological barrier that would be beneficial. Then he's got this money. He doesn't have to necessarily stop paying on these loans all at once. He has this money he knows he has to use for fun, and it would make this a little bit easier. And... The concept of the fun bucket is great. We've actually implemented it here in our household. 
and we're, we're doing it on a monthly basis. I think Mark took aside a, a lump sum and just put it aside for X amount of time and it's working great for him, but we're doing it on a monthly basis. And for Joseph, uh, the one thing I'll add, obviously, I think he's being invited to trips and vacations like right now currently. So he obviously can't go back in time and save for this one. One option, which becomes a slippery slope, if there's a way that you can carve out from your budget for next year, say Q1 and Q2, that would be a way where you can go on the trip now, still make your student loan payments and essentially borrow from the future. Again, dangerous game to get into, I think. Have you, have you done that kind of thing before in your younger days? Uh, I have not. Never? Okay. I definitely did that. And you end up with a kind of rolling credit card debt. It was weird when I did this in my 20s where I could literally like pay off my credit card with the cash and it would be net positive, right? But it was like a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a game where I was spending more than I had right then, but everything was going to be okay. But I, I always wanted to have like cash, cash money in my account in case I needed to like buy a new car. Like yeah. a, or something like that. Dangerous though. Sure. Dangerous. One other random tip for Joseph. I wonder if he could, if there's any position or any way to negotiate with his friend saying, hey, I'm still trying to get, to get this debt, but I'd really love to have this experience with you. Is there a way we can maybe keep it local this year? Like let's rent a cool house like that we can drive to and not go to Europe. Or And I don't know what these big plans are, but obviously they're expensive because he wrote us. Maybe there's some kind of compromise there where he could still join them or tweak the vacation for a couple of years until he's out of debt. Doug, before we get into the next question, I, I have a question for you. Do you and Elizabeth do gift giving? Yeah, so we we typically have some gifts that uh, you know we give to each other. Georgie too included. We we even buy gifts. Um, and say they're from Georgia, even though she had nothing to do with picking it for the the other person. But yeah, we do uh, gift exchange and we do uh, give gifts to our families too. Things have shifted over the years uh, where we would like exchange uh, names and stuff like that. But then you end up like just trading gift cards, which is like just fucking stupid. But we typically make some arbitrary rule changes every year where we like put some limit usually we kind of go over the limit a little bit but like this year we're like oh we'll give a handful of gifts we'll make it like a 75 dollars cap and for for all the gifts cumulatively so it's not like a huge thing but there's a couple like little stocking stuffers a couple little things got you something buddy not nice. big yeah yeah but i'll give it to you later and this particular year we're actually going on a little trip we won't mention the the place specifically, but it's, it's out in the mountains, right? And, you know, it's going to cost some money to go there and eat out and all that stuff. So we're like, this is kind of an experience gift that we're giving to each other. So, so yeah, we do some gift stuff. Is it difficult? Like for, for Mindy and I, we kind of, like if I need something, I just go on and buy it. If I want something, I pretty much do the same. Like, is it hard to figure out a novel gift without them dropping hints or vice versa? Do you struggle with that? It is tough. Sometimes you you take a chance and 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 just guess and think like, ah, oh, this will be you know maybe something 
that the person wouldn't buy for themselves, but could be good. Maybe, you know, they've talked about it. Sometimes that, that falls flat and it's not, not a great gift, but yeah, it can be tough. And I mean, like I recently, I don't think we've talked about it much, Carl. I have a new electric guitar, which I've, you know, mentioned that I was thinking about getting one. So like a couple months ago from the fun bucket, after stocking Craigslist for months, I saw one that looked to be a decent deal. I uh, negotiated a little bit and it fit within the fun bucket um, allocation. So I was like, oh, I'm going to get a guitar. That said, it could have been something where I could have told Elizabeth, hey, like I'm, I think I want a new guitar. And we worked that into it. But, but yeah, it, it can be pretty tough. It can be pretty tough. So yeah, yeah what, what do you guys do then? Yeah, it, it drives me nuts. So how many and I operate is if I see something I think she likes, like I'll buy it no matter what day of the year it is. But it's hard because we're fortunate we have everything we need, but sometimes I'll see her paying attention to something or make a comment about what someone's wearing at the airport, and then I'll try to source that thing. But it, it, it's difficult that uh, the, the, there's one segment of our families where they would do a gift card exchange, and, and it, it's worse than just the gift card exchange because they would tell us where they wanted the gift card from. And, and there was one situation that happened one year where one of the people said, oh, I want this gift card and this amount from this place. And Mindy's like, well, I didn't get around to buying it. So she just gave this person the equivalent amount in cash. And this person had a meltdown, like it caused a rift in the family. Like, dude, you realize you could take this 50 bucks and go to this store and buy this thing. You don't have to yell and scream in front of the family. So really, uh, it was bad enough to have the gift card exchange, but, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we don't do that thing with this person anymore, but. I don't know. I, I've got a lot of anxiety around gifts, but I just came up with a real good one. I went to the gym before here and I came up with one for you, but I've since forgotten. I hope I remember it by the time Christmas comes along, but yeah, it'll be great, whatever it is. It sounds good. It sounds good. Were you, uh, were you in the sauna when you thought of it? <laughs> I hope. I, I, hope not. I, I know you wish you, you told me about your little dream and we don't have to talk about that publicly, but no, I was, uh, what was I doing? I was doing laps around the track holding 15-pound weights. Okay. How were you holding them? With my hands. Okay. okay. For the people that are, um, that are just listening, he was holding, a, holding a, like a shake weight. <laughs> you remember those shake weights? I do remember. And it's great. Sometimes I do do that because then you get a wrist workout in addition to like just the cardio from walking. I have, you know, I told you I, ha I have like elbow pain, right? So I've been doing a ton of wrist workouts recently. I'll show you some of the routines um, when we stop recording. Good. I, I'd really like to see those. It, it works out more than just your wrist, by the way. Man, that's fantastic. Do you have a preferred hand or? I, I guess you have to work out your, your uh, bad elbow. Both. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, you want to do both, but it, uh, I focus on the left hand because okay. it feels like someone else is doing it. Yeah, well, we'll upload that to YouTube soon. That'd be great. All right. So we have one from Rakesh. My money management is mediocre. It's like a dam. I'll save a lot when everything's going great. And then when it rains, when I get extra expenses, all the gates open up. Hundreds of dollars just slipping through fingers like water. It's a great, great analogy, Rakesh. I tried to do what Mindy and Carl did last year, writing down all the expenses and really tracking it but he's been inconsistent. All investment and savings are automated for um, the family. So their spending 
after they're saving, but sometimes Rakesh feels like it's out of control. So I don't think Rakesh has a problem at all. And the reason is I asked him for a follow-up to this. I say, I said, Rakesh, what are those big expenses? And I'll read some of them. What they were, he had a car repair. He had to buy new tires. That was about $1,600. Uh, his TV crapped out over after 12 years, so he replaced that. But 12 years is a long time, and TVs are cheap now, so I don't think that's a big deal. Some medical tests, and he said it's costly because he has a high deductible plan. But if you got to get a medical test, you have to get a medical test. And he said a new hobby classes for kids. So Rakesh isn't talking about going out and buying cocaine and hookers. He is buying mostly necessities. The TV, you might be able to argue a little bit, but that's probably the cheapest one out of all of these. So mm -hmm. I, I don't think Rakesh has a problem at all. I think his issue might be his mindset around this. What do you think, Doug? Exactly. And the key thing here is he says the investments and savings are automated. So he and his wife have decided how much they're going to save and anything extra is just there. It's just accumulating and they're spending that. So there's a, a couple things that I think he might explore. One, create the fun bucket. It could be on a monthly basis where, you know, with things come up, that you want to spend money on. Again, all of these sound mostly um, kind of essential, but if it makes him feel better psychologically, having the fun bucket of whatever, $800 per month, that would be great. Then he feels fine spending up to the $800, anything above, maybe he um, thinks about it a little bit harder, but if he's you know, saving that certain amount that they've decided, that's great. The other option is, if you think you have too much uh, sort of loose money that you're able to spend, automate saving a little bit more. But I, I don't think there's a problem here. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think Rakesh just needs to reframe how yeah. he thinks about this. Doing great. Yeah. Yeah. And also congratulations, Rakesh. He just did an ultra marathon. So that's super really? awesome. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Go Rakesh. I did a 5K with him over the summer. He annihilated me. So no. He's, uh, he's going to be a monster soon. I, I remember when we were at Camp Phi, he uh, got up, uh, I don't know, like three hours before me and ran like 13 miles, a half marathon distance, which is impressive. Yeah. And I, I used to love running, but I haven't, I haven't put on the running shoes in two years, something like that. Yeah. Crazy. One more quick side topic, because we're talking about sports. A friend of mine does a swim every Saturday. And when I say a swim, it's an outdoor swim this time of year. And she invited me to go do it this Saturday. Doug, are, are you in Carter Lake to go swim? Carter Lake. It doesn't um, sound that fun. I'm not a big swimmer. Are you? It's, you? it's not so much swimming. It's like doing the cold plunge, like the Wim Hof, like something, oh. Andrew Huberman. So yeah, you just- You just pop in, pop out. Exactly. But it, the water's going to be like 40 in. It's going to be, it's going to be quite miserable. I I'll probably do it, but I'm not looking forward to it. Okay. It'd be easier if you came though. Yeah. Maybe. Actually, if we, we'll talk about it. We'll, uh, if we could video it. Yeah. That could be interesting. Oh yeah. We, we totally could. I need a, yeah. A I've speedo. Need... You need a speedo. Do we have to be nude? Do we have to? I was going to say the opposite. I need like something to cover up my gut because I've been eating more lately, but um, Thanksgiving hangover. Yeah. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it for the podcast and for you, Doug. What about shrinkage? 
Uh, yeah, it's just going to, there will be a lot of shrinkage if the water is 40 degrees. Okay. We'll have to get some kind of prosthetic uh, or something like that. Yeah, cucumber wrapped in tinfoil, like in Spinal Tap, the movie. <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. Uh, okay, we're going to talk about Chris. So Chris says, this year I had five big spend moments. Two were planned and the other three were spontaneous. Yet for the whole year, I'm still spending 10K less than last year. So why did I beat myself up over spending? So I went on to ask him if he enjoyed these experiences. And his response was, yes, they were super fun experiences. And yes, I'd love to do more. One of my spontaneous spends this year was a two-week sailing expedition in northern Indonesia. Holy crap. It by far was the coolest life experience I've ever had. Again, I, I got to reread that. It was by far the coolest life experience Chris has ever had. And I've had some pretty amazing travels. It was my first expedition style travel, and I'd love to do more of that. Amazing. Chris has figured out the secret to life. <laughs> yeah, stop beating yourself up and uh, invite Doug and I to go on one of these because they sound pretty awesome. Very cool. And yeah, I guess it's another situation where the fun bucket could potentially solve this problem because it, it's just a way to allocate the money mentally so that you won't beat yourself up. And I think that's the spontaneous stuff is really cool because if we, you know, if we're keeping our schedule open for opportunities, you could pounce on stuff when it, when it pops up. And, it, and Carl, you've been doing a ton of this uh, recently, right? Yeah. A couple of things you want to share. I, I don't even know all the things you've been up to, but. Y yeah, sure. I went to Austin for the Cybertruck event. Uh, got to hang out with Elon Musk, which may or may not be a good thing, depending on what your view of him. But it was super cool to see the factory where they build this thing. I saw robots installing windshields and putting on tires. So that's a lot cooler than Elon Musk. After that, we went to Las Vegas to see U2 at the Sphere which was spectacular. The tickets were expensive, but I, don't, I would have paid double for the tickets after seeing it. It was so good. The sphere is not a gimmick. Uh, the third part was I went to Arizona to see Pete at cul-de-sac, his winter digs, and also stay with friends up a little bit north of Phoenix. So yeah, it was great. And it was all kind of spontaneous. And because my Cybertruck invite came very late, I had to pay a lot for a plane ticket. I think it was like $400. Okay. That's not that bad for a plane ticket these days. Yeah, for a, a domestic ticket, I think that might be the most I've ever paid to fly within the U.S. It was a little bit strange, but really? I don't know. $400? Yeah, I think so. Even going to Jesus. New York was less than that. Wow. You're good. Uh, are, are you talking with points or like um, just in general? Because I've definitely paid whatever, like five, $800 like occasionally. Yeah. And to be clear, this was one way. So I don't know if that uh, makes a difference. So it does. Yeah. yeah one it way. Does. Okay. I was like, but yeah, it was super good. I don't regret any of it. And I, I took friends out to dinner uh, on two separate occasions and it was all good. Mindy and I had a nice dinner in Vegas. It was, uh, I don't regret anything. Very cool. Very cool. But there's two more things I want to say about this. Like the whole point of money is to have fun with it. It's a tool to improve your life and to have money. But now that I say that, how do you reconcile that with financial independence? Uh, what Chris said in his email, he said, I'm still spending 10000 less than last year. So he didn't mention what he's saving or, or doing on that front. But as long as your financial house isn't in shambles, as long as you're getting your money right, like you should totally do these things. Like take care of your 
your finances first, make sure you've got all that stuff straightened out. But as long as you're good with that, then do whatever you want with the rest. And I mean, again, what he said here, it's the coolest life experience, the best thing he's ever done in his life. So he shouldn't beat himself up at all. I, I want to hire him as a consultant, actually, so I can have better life experiences. It makes me think of time bucketing from time Die With Zero, which we haven't talked about Die With Zero in a while. And I think we were going to do a whole episode on it, but we forgot about it. We need to go back to our list of ideas. But now could be the perfect time to take those trips. I don't know other details about Chris, but in whatever, 15, 20, 35 years, he may not be able to do the same kind of trip. So do them now. You'll enjoy them much more and you have the memory dividends. And if you could do it with you know, other people, Carl and I, for example, then you'll remember it even more and you'll share those uh, experiences together. And Doug, if you're invited on this cruise with Chris, or not a cruise, a, a yacht rental or whatever he did, would you commit to being at least not wearing a Speedo? And by saying not wearing a speedo, speedo, I mean something more covering up, not fully nude. Unless that's what Chris is into. I don't know. <laughs> it sounds a lot more transactional now that we're talking about my wardrobe. But sure, I'm down. Okay, I'll cool. do that. Yeah. Okay, Chris, good news on that front if you want to invite Doug. I think we, we have one more from Donna here, but I want to talk about our own struggles, Carl. So I'll, I'll let you go first <laughs> on this one. And I'm choking on my water at the moment, but... Okay, so my struggle is, and this is a big part of why Mindy and I went on Ramit, I, I don't think we've evolved with our money situation. Like uh, the example I put here in the show notes is in college, like I had no money. My job paid minimum wage, which was, I'm dating myself, three thirty-five an hour. I think now it's like 13 bucks or something like that, right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I had to work like six hours to make 20 bucks, and that was before taxes. Like after taxes, it was probably under 20. So if I found a $20 bill on the ground, that would be like life-changing, at least for a short amount of time. I could go to McDonald's and buy a quarter pounder or, or whatever. It was just great. Like <laughs> buy the dollar beers at the at the cheap bar during the week on Tuesdays. And so that was great. And the thing I was thinking about recently is if I found 20 bucks, I would be similarly as excited as I would have then. But why? Like the, the 20 bucks is absolutely meaningless now. So I don't think Mindy and I have evolved, excuse me, well with money. And that doesn't mean when I say that you shouldn't go out and buy Ferraris or Lamborghinis. But Doug, you've brought up this a lot in the past, that there's a lot of value in not necessarily buying things that'll make your life better, but taking away pain points, subtracting things from your life. And why haven't we done things like that when given the opportunity? And we've pivoted a little bit. We hired a cleaner, which is a big life improvement, but... Uh, Last night, I went to fix my dryer. I've got the part right here in my hand that I have to hunt for. And I thought it'd be real easy. Then I broke the part, and now it's going to be a multi-hour endeavor. I should have probably just hired the stupid job out. So back to my original point, just being able to evolve successfully with money. Um, one more point I'll make on this is if we have $10,000 to invest, one more twenty-five, that's going to mean the world because of compound interest. But that same investment at 50 isn't going to be nearly as valuable. So I think we have to constantly be considering our money situation and changing with it. And that's one thing I have not done well. Do you have any ideas how to actually change it? Yeah, that's a hard one because I think in the FI community, we tend to wait until we reach this number to pivot and change our lives. Like, oh, as soon as I get this, I'll be able to let loose. I can quit my job. 
and then my life will change, but not till I reach this specific point. I think the thing you have to do, the thing I wish I would have done is let go a little bit earlier in life. So as your net, net worth increases, even force yourself, it's going to be uncomfortable. And I, I've made some purchases lately that were uncomfortable for me, but they felt really good after I had done it. So you're going to get outside your comfort zone, but it's going to be good for you. And it's an experiment. If somehow you do this thing and it doesn't feel good for you, like one thing we did, the, the big trip I told you about it, had a little bit of anxiety buying the plane ticket, but I'm so happy I did it after I'm done. But if you do these spending experiments and it doesn't make you happy, then boom, at least you don't have regret over it. You've done it and you don't have to think about it anymore. But yeah, I think that'd be the thing. Don't wait to some certain point. Force yourself to let go of the purse strings in a way that might give you discomfort. My point is a little bit different. And I do want to mention that I have evolved. So from a comparison, I went. Now, I don't want it to sound like that, but I read your point and I realized that I had shifted because I, I would treat $20 or $5 or whatever, like I won the Powerball, like billion dollar. I was like, man, this is crazy. I can do all this great stuff. But just actually a couple of weeks ago, and you've seen me where I, I'm walking Georgie out there in the morning, I found a $20 bill just on the sidewalk. Obviously someone, um, like it came out of their pocket or something like that. So I found it and I was like, oh, cool, 20 bucks. I looked around, no one was um, like looking for money that they lost or no, no one was around, right? So I picked it up and probably 50 steps later, there's one of the uh, homeless guys or a guy that lives in his car or something like that. And I just, I gave it to him. He was panhandling. I just gave it to him right away. And I was like, oh, great. And, you know, now I'm using, using this story to show that I'm awesome or something like that. But I mean, I, I was like, oh, I'm not gonna like tell the the story, like write it in a blog post or anything like that to make myself feel better. But I was just, the example here is I have like figured out that like 20 bucks is like, ah, it's fine. So do you have any tips on that then? Like how did you uh, better evolve with money than I did? I don't know. I think over time as I earned more money and then accumulated and see compound interest work, I think I just realized that literally like the $20 is less important, even though sometimes I look at the menu at a restaurant and I'm like, can't believe it costs like twelve fifty for three chicken fingers. I can't. It's crazy. Like I can't believe it costs that much. And they're small. Yeah, you can buy fingers. a bag of them for that much at Costco, right? And they exactly. air fryer. They taste just as good. Yeah. So I I still struggle with certain pieces, but in this case, I guess it was like found money, so it was easy for me to just give it away. I don't know, and I think it it, it just is like looking at the sheer numbers, like I understand that $20 isn't the same to me now as it was back then. So I don't know. Okay. So I think what you're saying is that you think you're perfect and you don't struggle <laughs> with, with anything. Here's what I struggle with. But that, actually, that's exactly what I'm saying. So, so the thing that I realize more and more, I, I mentioned the guitar earlier, right? So I got this um, electric guitar. It's used very modestly priced, but I really enjoy thinking about acquiring something. 
I really enjoy the research and thinking about what it will be like to own an electric guitar, right? I was thinking, oh, I could practice these specific songs. We've been talking about Slash a lot. He plays a Les Paul and it's an Epiphone Les Paul that I got. And I was listening to a bunch of like Allman Brothers and they play some Les Pauls. And I was just like, it'd be great to have one that I could play or try to play those tunes, right? But then after I got it, I'm not playing it as much as I thought I was going to. So like I have this issue where I really enjoy the search and thinking about acquiring it. And then once I get it, I'm like, eh, it's fine to have it. It's great to have it, but I don't care as much. And that is a real struggle because, I mean, if you let that get out of control, then maybe it gets to more expensive stuff. Or maybe I'm like, I'm going to be a car guy now. And then I start looking at really expensive cars. And like, once you have them, it's just like, ah, all right. I have like a garage full of cars, kind of pointless. So it's, it's an observation. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think there's a, a quote I read a long time ago about that. Like the pursuit of the object is more fun than the attainment of the object yep. or something like it's that. It's that, exactly. And, you know, I, I, I'm aware that it could get out of control, right? And there's a certain value that you can get from some stuff, even with enjoyment, right? Like, so guitar in this specific example, but over the past couple of years, I've gotten more guitars and I have reached a point where I'm like, it's more than I could play. And I'm not so hung up on them where I couldn't like resell some of them, which they typically, if I got a good deal, I they would retain their value. It's not like I'm just flushing hundreds of dollars down the toilet. Like I could, I could sell them roughly for the same price, maybe a little bit more if I got a great deal. So yeah. Again, I think all these things are experiments. We did that with the car too, the Acura NSX. And the thing that you just mentioned is happened to us. We bought it for 45000 and sold it for exactly 45000 So you could experiment with these things. And if it doesn't work out, that's great. You could just dump it. And probably if you're careful, maybe get, it depends on the object, maybe get a similar amount to what you purchased it for. If it's experience, you can't get your money back, but then you know you don't have to do that thing ever again. So yeah, I, I think it's worth experimenting with some of this stuff if you if, and a, a, another thing is like, uh, what do people say? Think about it for 30 days. And if you still want it, do it at that point. Like the Melanzana, Doug, when you introduced me to them, yeah. I, I thought about it for like six months before I finally pulled the trigger. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was a big purchase. That's a great point for the guitar purchases that I mentioned. I thought about it, yeah, for six months or a year before I like acted on it. So I, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. That said... It was potentially more fun to acquire it than to to own it. But with these instruments specifically, I can form a band and then that would be a fun social thing. So now I just need to form a band. Yeah, good job. <laughs> what would you play? I don't know. That's an interesting question. Something really easy because I'm not a skilled musician. Yeah. I think you're a lead singer, man. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. I could probably sing that. You're a front man. You're Axel. Oh, man. I don't think I could hit his notes, but he can't either. I saw him <laughs> live. And yeah, he, he doesn't have the high notes in him anymore. All right. We got one more from Donna here. Yeah, sure. Okay, so Donna says, I'm not okay with spending on the small stuff, like things under 20 bucks or even under a dollar. What can you buy under a dollar? Maybe like a gumball out of the gumball machine at like, store. 
uh, I guess I've kept that mindset to save a penny and the dollars will come and the belief that $20 is a lot of money. Wow, sounds like me. I did not put this one in here, Doug, I swear. But the thoughts regarding spending smaller amounts is no longer justified at this time since I know I am not a frivolous overspender. Must repeat, I have enough. And then she says she has enough to occasionally spend small amounts without such mental conflict. In other words, I need to learn how to focus on the big, middle, and small financial stuff, but don't sweat the relatively microscopic, especially if it helps create more time, pleasure, or value. So this one's interesting because she's talking about really small purchases, like even under a dollar. I'm not even sure what you could buy for under a dollar. Yeah, I don't know either. But I mean, I, a, lot, a lot of the same trend here where like we valued money. We heard growing up like money doesn't grow on trees. Like let's save a little bit. Don't order the appetizer or whatever. And like it really sticks with us, especially if we learned when we were very young, right? Yeah. I think it's another, another solution um, is the fun bucket, right? I, I mean, I still think if you just say, all right, each month I have 50 bucks. The amount doesn't matter by the way, but each month I have $50 and I don't have to worry about it and I can go and get that coffee. And that's one thing that I actually, I know you're not going to like retire 15 years early by not getting the, uh, the, the pumpkin spice latte or the peppermint spice, you know, it's that time of the season. But at the same time, I'm like, ah, I could just make the coffee at home for like a tenth of the price or less, I don't even know. But yeah, to get a cup of coffee is like, what, four bucks now or something. Yeah. So it's just, I can't do it for some reason. Unless unless I'm uh, specifically like thinking, all right, I'm going to do this. It's going to be a fun thing. Or if I'm meeting, I met some uh, some friends out the other day for coffee. But yeah, this I guess I struggle with it too for certain things. So you and Donna don't even need fun buckets. You need like, Fun pails or fun like Dixie cups or fun thimbles because <laughs> these are such small amounts of money. It's not. It's probably not going to matter. I don't know what Donna's net worth is, but it sounds like she's doing well. I'm like, I think maybe she should make some rule for herself. Like if it's under five bucks or ten bucks or maybe even twenty a couple times a month, she isn't allowed to even like ponder. You just have to sh say, "Hey, brain, we're not gonna. I'm not gonna consider your fight against this. I'm just gonna go out and buy it and just do it." Yeah. Still so tough because I, I think back like early days when we were not budgeting specifically, but like we weren't earning as much. We didn't have the same net worth. We didn't have the compound interest doing its work in our 20s. So yeah, if you go fucking blow $20 at lunch every day, like that's a, I mean, that's a huge amount, which when we used to work in offices and you go out to lunch to get away from the the horrible job, like it wouldn't be crazy to to spend a significant amount that adds up each day. I don't know. It's tough. It's still tough because we have that mindset still. Yeah. So I have another question for you about spending, Doug. Are you one of those types who obsess about gas prices? Like, do you go out of your way to save money on gas? And this is near and dear to us. And it's literally near because there's these three gas stations that are having this these price wars. <laughs> I don't know how much cheaper it is. We have EVs, so we don't think about these things. I still pay attention to it because I find the <laughs> psychology of it interesting. But the gas is a little bit cheaper, but you'll go there and there'll be like a 
you might have to wait 20 or 30 minutes to there's get to a, a pub. Yeah, you can't even get out. Yeah. I made the mistake. I had a, a rental and I had to get gas and it didn't seem that bad. And I made the mistake of pulling in one and and eventually I quickly decided it was a bad idea, but I couldn't even escape the fucking gas station. It was, a, it was mm. bad. All the, And these people are saving like two or three dollars, but giving up like a half hour of their time on a Saturday afternoon. So do you obsess over gas? No. It, embarrassingly, it, it's actually, I guess I, I solved the problem. I got gas recently and Elizabeth was like, oh, how much was it? I'm like, I have no idea. I, I don't even know what I paid for the like filling up. I don't know what the ga- like the gallon price was. I was just in the routine. I just like pay. I'm buying it there, right? And I'm not. I'm not going to go anywhere else. We got the Costco right here, so yeah. I bought it there. Yeah. So I have no idea. I don't know. Obsess, and I'm like oblivious, like a you know, to an, an embarrassing degree. So do no. you even look? <laughs> I, I think it's good. I, like I like the sign is huge. It's in a million point font. So you, yeah, just naturally look at it whenever you go past. And for me, it's like oh, more right. of an economic indicator, I guess. But it, I find it very interesting how obsessed people get with gas prices, and it becomes like a like a political issue too. Like so and so gas prices are high because so and so is in office. Like man, is it a? Why do you think about this so much, people? I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And it, we are in a fortunate position, you with all your electric vehicles and solar. Do you have the battery panel? Uh, are you going to do a battery bank in, in your basement or whatever? No, I don't think so. I might add a couple more panels just to make sure we never have to pay for electricity again. And, and on your side of the equation, you just don't drive that much, right? So you probably buy gas like once or twice. But a quarter. The, yeah. That's where I was going <laughs> like, for. It's pretty, yeah. It, it's something like that. So unless I'm driving out to go hiking or something like that, but I mean, I get horrible gas mileage in my truck, but I just don't drive much like at all. Yeah. So which is the best solution? Yeah. All right. Any other final thoughts here, Carl? Uh, Don, I go spend the money. If I see you, I'm going to ask you to buy me a Snickers bar, or if you're feeling really bold, maybe a a drink somewhere. As we wrap it up here, I don't know if Carl is going to do this. I don't think so due to scheduling, but I'm going to be doing dry January. So I I don't know when this podcast is going to air, but if you're along for the ride, you know, check out our Facebook group. We'll be uh, posting a little bit. I think we're going to get a group of folks, even locally here, to not drink in January. We're going to save some money, going to sleep better. Um, Carl, do you want to explain your uh, sort of criteria? But we want people to do it together. We'll we'll do a better job together than alone. So yeah, Doug and I were talking about this on a previous recording, and one thing we did last year is we had dinner with a bunch of people. I think it was on the weekend, a time where you would normally just default to drinking, and we all agreed it's dry January. We're not going to do anything, so we brought interesting drinks that were alcohol free, and I. At least here in Colorado, you win half the battle by surrounding yourself with people who also want, who also share the same goal because there are a lot of microbreweries here. And it's like our default social thing. So instead, we smoked a lot of weed, right? You got high out of your mind. No, I'm just kidding. We, we, uh, we just drank like non-alcoholic stuff and spritzy water and everything was fine. We all went home at a normal time and yeah. no one did anything embarrassing. So I think it'd be interesting. Well, this this episode will go live before January 1st, right? I can't remember. Okay. Probably. 
Well, if you get in like halfway through, if it goes live on January 15th, you could have like a, a dry January or half dry January, half February, or maybe go for the whole February. If yeah. Just do. Oh yeah. That's a good point. If you are starting later, that is totally okay. I think some people really like to have that sort of fresh start phenomena where they, they want to start something at the beginning of the month or the beginning of the week or beginning of the year, but it really doesn't matter. It's just arbitrary. Um, that said, we're doing the dry January thing. So, yes. <laughs> nice. Thanks for listening to the show. That was the Mile High Five podcast, and I'm Doug Cunnington, the Balder host, and Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show. We really don't care who you tell. Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in, in person. So the virtual kind's pretty good. And more importantly, your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using, and that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer, this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week. Carl, the sound check for today is something you came up with, which kind of surprised me. I'm just going to read um, what you wrote. A friend suggested Carl should go back to work, and he's considering it. Should he? And um, I have so many questions about this, but I think that person is not actually your friend. Uh, I'm not sure. I actually did meet him in person like a week or so ago. And when I wrote this, I had not met him in person yet. But yeah, do you remember we actually had an episode about this where we talked about what we would go back to work for? Do you remember that? I remember we recorded it, but I, I don't remember exactly what either of us said. I feel like... I feel like you were not open to it as much as I was. Yeah. So any, anyway, yeah, so that was the origin of his comment? Yes, and I think you might have even asked me at the time, like, what if it was a super cool job working at Tesla for Elon Musk? Would you go back and do that? Yep. So anyway, the story is someone heard us talking about that, and he, uh, I'm not sure exactly what he did before, something with engineering and setting up facilities maybe, uh, he had done a bunch of work in that. But then he got recruited by Tesla after listening to our episode and talking about that. And this guy is fine. He has enough. He doesn't need to go back to work. But And he has two kids. So he's like, but this seems like a, a super cool job. Like, this is like my dream thing. I'm really seriously considering this. And it's pretty tough to get hired there. You got to go through like four or five interviews. And he had to travel a lot just for the interviews. But eventually he got the job offer and... Uh, there was some more stuff around that, which we don't need to go into, but he eventually took it. So he took this like dream job at Tesla. Mm. And so I, I talked to him every now and then over text and uh, 
so I got a text from him maybe a month and a half ago. He's like, hey, we're building out this this facility near you in Louisville. You should you should consider working there. Oh, okay. I'm like, oh, I think he was serious, but but I don't know. He might have been joking too. But I'm like, wow, what what would I do in that situation? Like, it would have to be a a very specific thing. But I think if it was, I would actually consider it and do it. I, I don't think I've got the. It depends what they needed someone to do. Like, I, I'm sure I could clean their toilets, but right. I'm not going to be setting up their, like, NVIDIA clusters for AI training or any, anything like that. What What if they needed a bathroom retiled? You could do that, probably. Yeah, maybe. It'd be cool. And I, Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd be privy to... Like, one of the cool things about working there is I know this particular person, and he hasn't told me anything, but he alludes to some of the top secret projects that they have there and he has seen them in person. I'm like, wow, that would be pretty cool. I don't like if I could tile like like the the vehicle development design facility, that'd be great. I just glance over at people's computers when they're working. They <laughs> leave their stuff unlocked and then they come back, What are you doing? I went to the bathroom. Now you're on my computer like, oh I, I don't know. I just needed to send an email. But we're like, oh Carl, not again. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Okay, that makes more sense to me. I was like, who would say that you need another job? Okay. How much How much would the salary need to be? Let's say it is something that you're very specifically, uniquely qualified for, and you're like, oh, yeah, I, I know how to do that. I'm actually one of the best in the world at doing that. How much would they need to pay you? I don't know. Honestly, it's not so much the salary. It would be the experience of it and being able to do it on somewhat flexible terms which i don't think they would put up with it's uh, being able to do it part-time or maybe having significant vacation that means a lot more than the money because the money is insignificant at this point we have enough so i'd I'd be doing it for the fun or challenge of whatever it is but i don't want to do that thing for 40 or 60 or 80 or, or 120 hours a week as elon musk might demand of me okay so it's a lot like this job that you have here where you're doing it for fun that's the payment you don't get any money out of this yeah and um it's super flexible yeah just show up and i half-ass it half the time (laughs) most of the time i half-ass so it's like a quarter ass or maybe a 75 percent ass yeah there's some some ass percentage which is a weird measure (laughs) it's a very high ass percentage Is that metric or is that a standard measurement it's metric doug Doug, i'm a man of science of course i go to metric (laughs) All right, that's a, that's a good, weird place to end it. 